For our scripture reading, we turn to Acts chapter 16. We read verses 14 to 40. This is one of the verses that speaks of the baptism of a household. And we take note of that as we read these verses. Acts 16, verses 14 through 40. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, 
he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison, and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them, and departed. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. And what we just read in the rest of Scripture are the bases for the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 25. There we read. Since then we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only. Whence doth this faith proceed? From the Holy Ghost, who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely, that he grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end, that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation. Yes, indeed, for the Holy Ghost teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which he offered for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the New Covenant or Testament? Two, namely, holy baptism and the Holy Supper. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read this passage in Acts chapter 16, we're struck by the work of grace in this Philippian jailer. We read this story relatively quickly. Take note 
of the change that happens to this jailer, how he goes from one moment, he is about to kill himself. And then just a few verses later, we read that he rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. That's quite striking. The work of the Spirit in this Philippian jailer and the blessings bestowed upon him and his house. That's one thing we take note of in this passage that it brings out that they said to the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And then the next verse speaks about him talking, speaking unto him. They spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And then in verse 34, he rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So we see what happened to this jailer, and we see what happened to his house. The passage directs us to think about the covenant. The covenant that God has made with us and with our children. And what a comfort we have. Those with whom God has made an everlasting covenant that we, with our house, by the grace of God, rejoice. Sinners, saved by grace, who are taught how great our sins and miseries are, how we have violated all the commandments and kept none of them, and still have a sinful nature, a depraved nature, still have to struggle with sin all our life long. Yet by the grace of God, we believe the gospel, the good news, that we and our children are forgiven, that our salvation is based solely upon what Christ has done, and we'll take note of how this Lord's Day puts a stress on that, it brings out how in the word of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel and in the administration of the sacraments that it puts stress on the idea that our salvation is based solely on what Christ has done. Those who hear that, those who by the grace of God believe that, have joy in the midst of the struggles of this life, in the midst of the, in times of sorrow and struggle, we have joy, and we delight to praise our Savior. This man and his house were baptized. Why are, why are sacraments added to the preaching of the word? They went and they, they, they when this man asked the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
Our salvation is not based on anything we do. They respond, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And then they speak to them about the gospel. Then why are they baptized? Why has baptism been instituted? Why has the Lord's Supper been instituted? By Christ, as our Heidelberg Catechism says, how many sacraments has Christ instituted? Two, holy baptism and the Holy Supper. Why? What is the purpose of them? Why do we have sacraments? We consider that this morning. The sacraments instituted by Christ. We consider, first of all, the administering of those sacraments. Secondly, the grace. And make note of the fact that they are means of particular grace. And thirdly, we'll discuss the calling, the sacraments instituted by Christ. We begin with a discussion of the sacraments themselves and the fact that there is a reference in our creeds to the fact that they are instituted by our Lord. The term sacraments is a term that's not found in the Bible. The Greek word that would be, could be translated mystery, the Greek word for mystery in the Latin in a number of places is translated by a word that has that idea of sacrament. One place that we see that, well, if one was to look at the Latin translation, in Ephesians 1 verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Well, in the Latin, the word that's translated mystery, it's the Greek word translated into our English as mystery. In the Latin, it was translated as a word for sacrament. And so what the Greeks called mysteries, the Latins at various times referred to as sacraments. And eventually, the term came to mean signs that signify spiritual things. And it's a term that we've been using, even though it's a term that's not actually found in the, in the Bible. Yet, we explain it. Even though we may use a term that's not actually found in the Bible, we have to explain what it means. And so we have an explanation. What are the sacraments when you call it a sacrament? What is a sacrament? Well, we explain it. Sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end. That by the use thereof, he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. They're holy. They're visible. They are signs and seals appointed of God, instituted by Christ and the Holy Ghost is the one who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments of which there are two. Our creeds make note of the fact that Christ instituted them with the Lord's Supper we clearly see that 
In the night in which he betrayed, was betrayed, he took bread. We clearly see how he instituted the Lord's Supper. Also with regard to baptism, he said, Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them, and so on. But our creeds bring out that our Lord instituted the sacraments. Now we're not to appoint our own sacraments. We're not to add our own signs and seals to be administered in the church of Jesus Christ. There are two, only two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. They are joined to the word of the gospel. That's the phrase our Belgic Confession uses, that the sacraments have been joined to the word of the gospel. So first, there is the promise, and then added to the preaching of the gospel is, are the sacraments. One way you can see that, the significance of that, is you think of what a, a wedding ring, when somebody, when a man or a woman puts a wedding ring on their spouse. Well, before they do that, or in connection with them doing that, there is the vow that they make. I mean, what would be the ring if there was no, there was no vow? That we have in a wedding ceremony the vow and the ring. And now when you think of the sacraments, now marriage is not a sacrament, but when we think of the sacraments, we have first a, a promise, and then you have the sign that seals, is used to seal unto us the promise of the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that works in the preaching of the gospel and in the administration of the sacraments. And the sacraments are added to that preaching. Now we see that in this very history. In the very history, we don't just read that they answered this man, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And then that he was baptized. But we read, even though it's said relatively briefly in just one short verse, they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. It's good not to pass over that. To take note of the fact that they spent time explaining the truth of the gospel. What does that mean? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? What does it mean that his name's Jesus? What's, is there significance to that name? Is there significance to the title Christ? What does that mean? Why is he called Lord? And what does it mean to be saved? Saved from what? How did he save us? What was necessary for us to be saved? And why do you make a reference to the saving of one's house? 
The truth of unconditional salvation would need to be explained. The truth of our how great our sins and miseries are. In a situation like this, you wonder, where would you start? As you talk to this man and bring out to him, now our salvation isn't based on anything we do. And then you're going to explain to him the truth concerning salvation by grace alone. Where do you start? Think of the fundamentals. What are going to be some fundamentals that you're going to bring out? Perhaps what would come to mind would be the Apostles' Creed. The fundamental doctrines that we go through in the Apostles' Creed, talking about the Trinity, talking about God the Father and our creation. God the Father who's made an everlasting covenant with us. God the Son and our redemption. God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. Why did he have to be a man? Why did he have to be God? The, the explanations we have at the beginning of the Heidelberg Catechism, how important it would be to explain them. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, is he a man? Was he a real man? He is a real man. He's also God. How could he be both God and man? And are there more than one? Is there more than one God? Talking about Jesus Christ, one would be, be led to start talking about the truth of the Trinity. And explaining clearly the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, why it was necessary for us to be saved. What we deserved, what each of us deserved, were sinners. This man comes trembling and falls down before Paul and Silas. We're sinners. We have violated all of God's commandments. And we have a sinful nature. What do we deserve? Directing our attention to the sacrifice of Christ. How we are delivered from our sins and miseries. And how we express our gratitude to God. Points laid out in our Heidelberg Catechism, which are then also points that we are to explain to our children. When you talk about the Slippian jailer and you think about where do you start? What are the fundamentals you, we want to make known? We apply that also in the rearing of our children. Our young children, where do we start? Well, we gradually, their whole, as they're reared, they're instructed in these, in these doctrines. And we go through the history, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we do bring out these doctrines as we go through it. And then later on, we go through our confessions in more detail. Explaining to them that Jesus is our complete Savior. And the comfort that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. The preaching of the gospel is the chief means of grace. And then added to that are the sacraments that are administered 
by the church of Jesus Christ. With regard to those sacraments, one of the purposes with regard to those sacraments, when we give this, administer the sacraments, there is explanation and we receive instruction concerning the significance of us worshiping together and being members of the church institute. We talked about that with regard to Pentecost just recently. Why did they have Passover? Why did they have Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles? One purpose with regard to those signs was that there was instruction concerning membership in a body. It's the church institute that administers the sacraments. In the Old Testament, when they had those feasts, they were all to come together to Jerusalem. That would impress upon the people, young and old, and the older ones explaining to the younger ones, why are we going? For some, it would have been quite a distance. Why are we going to Jerusalem? And explaining to them why we do that. Explaining to them that we who are saved by Christ are members of a body. In the old dispensation, they were looking forward to the coming Messiah. And God's people together were united as one people, the people with whom God has made his covenant. That he's not only made his covenant with me, he's made his covenant with my seed, he's made this covenant with us together. The promises to Christ and to us in Christ. <coughs> we see clearly that idea in the Lord's Supper. When we read our Lord's Supper form, there's not only instruction about our own individual salvation, but there's also instruction about how we together are one body fed and nourished together. And with regard to baptism, Lord's Day 27 speaks of how we are, by baptism we are admitted into the Christian church. That's Lord's Day 27, Belgic Confession 34. We are received into the church of God. We understand the term church is used in more than one sense. It's used in the, in the sense of the elect, all the elect who are chosen in Christ. And there's also the church institute and membership in the church institute, which is manifestation on earth. The church institute is a manifestation on earth of the body of Christ. When we have baptism, we have our mind directed to being admitted into the Christian church, received into the church of God. And as those who are saved by grace, who are members of the church, we're to commune together, fellowship together, all ages, whether we're married or whether we're single, 
whether we're married and have children, whether we're married and it's the will of God that we not have children, that we all together are members of the same body. We all together are to encourage and watch over one, uh, the, the, the other saints, young and old, to care for the children of the church. And we encourage one another. We commune together, young and old, talk to one another. And also to have show and talk about the fact that God is gathering a people out of all the nations. One of the purposes of God for the fact that Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into that prison. In the providence of God, it was the will of God that they were going to bring the word to this jailer. And they bring to him the word of the gospel. And we see the change that took place in this man by the grace of God and in his house. The grace, when we talk about the sacraments, the sacraments were instituted on account of our weakness and infirmities. That's the phrase our Belgic Confession uses on account of our weakness and infirmities, the better to present to our senses what he signifies by the word and what he works inwardly in our hearts. They appeal to our senses, which also means they are going to attract the attention of children. Doing something an outwardly, an outward sprinkling of water or the outward taking of the bread, the breaking of the bread, the drinking of the cup, or in the old dispensation, the gathering for the Passover. Why do we do this? An opportunity then to explain to the children the wonderful works of God. To go through, when we're baptized, you think, well, how do you explain it? Then you think of the baptism form. Think of how the benefit, one benefit of reading that form so many times is that it helps it to come to remembrance. Well, we're baptized, our children are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we just went through that. We just talked about that. Explaining to the children, what does that mean that we're baptized in the name of the Father? God the Father witnesseth and sealeth unto us and so on. What does it mean we're baptized in the name of the Son? And what does the Holy Spirit do? We can't see the Holy Spirit. What does he do? What is he doing in us? What is he doing in the children? Explaining to the children what the Spirit does in them as they come to years of discretion. Explaining to them, what does the Spirit do within them? How he works in them, faith. It's the Spirit that does that. As we pointed out when we 
mention the means of grace, we say the preaching of the gospel and the ministration of the sacraments, it's good to remember this, and this Lord's Day puts a stress on that, it's the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost that works the faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it. The Holy Ghost teaches us in the gospel. The Holy Ghost assures us by the sacraments. That's answer 67. He teaches us. He assures us. That doesn't mean all of us head for head. Another point to explain. Does that mean that all those who are baptized, that they're all forgiven? That they're all cleansed? No. God does not save all of our children head for head. When we talk about a means of grace, it's particular grace, which is true with regard to the preaching of the gospel. It's also true with regard to the sacraments. That's explained in our Belgian Confession on, when it says, though the sacraments are connected to the things signified, both are not received by all men. Some receive the sacrament, but not what's signified. Some receive also what is signified. Some receive grace. How comforting When we think of the sacrament setting forth the goodwill of our Heavenly Father for us. Baptism is said to avail us through the whole course of our life. When a child comes up and is baptized, we think, okay, this child was baptized today. This was the day of this child's baptism. The child's not going to remember their baptism. We don't remember when we're baptized. Yet our creed rightly says, baptism avails us, or is as beneficial to us, as it is of advantage to us, the whole course of our life. When a child is baptized, we also are directed to think of the fact that we've been baptized. And what is said about God the Father witnesseth and sealeth unto us, we remember what he says to us, to me. And what a comfort that is to me in the trials that I go through, and to you in the trials you go through. The Holy Ghost assures us, assures me, assures you, that he will dwell in us and sanctify us to be members of Christ. We're directed to think on the promise. He will do that. He will sanctify us to be members of Christ. He will apply unto us that which we have in Christ. He will. Namely, the washing away of our sins, the daily renewing of our lives. He will do that. 
till we shall finally be presented without spot or wrinkle among the assembly of the elect in life eternal. What a comfort we have as we meditate on that. Just to read what is said there with regard to the the Holy Ghost. Unconditional salvation. That is stressed in this Lord's day. When it says, he declares and seals to us the promise of the gospel, then it says, namely, and it explains it, that he grants us freely the remission of our sins. Freely. The remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice, for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. And then the next question, are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end that they may direct our faith? Our faith is directed. That they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground, the only ground of our salvation. And then in the answer it says, yes, indeed. The Holy Ghost teaches us by the gospel and assures us by the sacraments. Assures us of what? That the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ. The whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which he offered for us on the cross. A stressing of that truth. Unconditional salvation. Unconditional covenant. With us and with our children. This is signified, too, when we have the baptizing of an infant. Unconditional. Without their knowledge. All of grace. And as was mentioned, we notice the power. The power of God when we see what happened to this jailer. How quickly he went from thinking about killing himself to rejoicing. What explains that change? The work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And then to see how the instruction was given not only to him, but also to his house, and that his house also believed. Covenant blessings. Covenant blessings in the line of generations. And our calling is to have our children baptized and to go forth on the mission field giving instruction and baptizing and explaining baptism to our children 
Remember what we say when we answer those three questions. Each time we have a child baptized, we answer those questions again, which directs us to think on what our calling is. The first one speaks about a, the sinfulness of man, subject to all miseries, yea, to condemnation itself, speaks about salvation, all of grace, sanctified in Christ, members of his church ought to be baptized, all of grace. The second one directs us to think about the significance of the church institute, which is another thing we talked about. Doctrine taught in scripture and the articles of the Christian faith and taught here in this Christian church to be the true and complete doctrine of salvation. And then that third question about giving instruction. That takes time to do. To give instruction to the utmost of our power. Undoubtedly that stresses the importance of having time with the children. Women in the home rearing children. Taking the time, it's a lot of time not only to give instruction on these fundamental doctrines, but then also applying things in daily life when children aren't getting along. That they're sinners like we are. And there's going to be fighting. There's going to be times they're not getting along. There's going to be selfishness, which we see, recognize this is the, our sin, that's what we're like by nature. We see our children do things blatantly, and we recognize this is the way we are too. We're selfish, or we're proud. We can see a young child say something that shows it's kind of proud, prideful in the way they say it. And then we think of how proud we are. Proud we are. We may try to camouflage it a little bit as we get older. We're sinful. And when something isn't going to go our way, then we get upset. We want to make sure we get what we want, even if that means our brother and sister doesn't get what they want. So if two want the opposite things, and then if one of them gets what they want, and the other one does not, then the one that gets what he or she wants is happy. Even though the other one may be crying and crying and crying, the other one is so happy, they got what they want. And we think, well, that's what we're like by nature. And we give instruction to them about the sinfulness of man, about our sinful nature. And we have to put off the old man and put on the new. What does that mean? Give instruction about forgiveness. How often we have to talk to one another, talk to our children about forgiveness, about apologizing about saying, I forgive you. Applying the truths, the doctrines, to daily life, communing together. That takes time. Takes time for the father in the home. 
Oh, the mother in the home, how important that is. How important it is, too, that the father be spending time with the children in the home. Men can be busy with so many things and trying to provide for the family. So many hours away. It's very important that we as fathers have time with the children. And not only when they're very young, but also as they're older. And sometimes when they want to talk later on, late into the night, or the time that they want to talk. Spending time giving that instruction as we say that we will to the utmost of our power. Praying for them. Praying for our children. Seeing the trials they're going through. Asking God for the, to guide them and to comfort them. Praying for them. Praying for ourselves for the grace to rear them, to be patient with them. To show for, that we forgive them. To comfort them. We fall so far short in continuing to ask God for the grace we need in our parenting, that we may be slow to anger, thinking of how God is slow to anger and asking for grace that we may be slow to anger, even if a child is doing the same thing again and again. Meditating on what God has done for us. The comfort how he has comforted us. As we think on how much we've been forgiven and how our Heavenly Father has comforted us again and again, that we've called out to him, that, he, that he's heard us, he has comforted us. And we who have been comforted by our Heavenly Father, may we comfort our children whom God has graciously given unto us. And may we together praise his name, rejoicing, believing in God, us and our children together, and living to his honor. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, our Father, we are very thankful for our salvation. We are so thankful for the comfort that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grant us grace as we together in our home on this day, as we together talk about the things of the kingdom, talk about baptism and what it signifies, thinking of what God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit witnesseth and sealeth unto us. Thou who art the triune God, we who are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may we glorify thee. May we have a joyful time of fellowship together. And may we together exalt and praise thy holy name. Forgive our sins, deliver us from evil. Bless all thy saints in all nations, for Christ's sake. Amen. <laughs>